Well, guys, it's good to be with you this evening. Everybody good? Amen. Amen. Yeah. So we're going to finish up in uh, our series on John 13 through 17. And we're just going to cover chapter 17 tonight. I'm, I'm really only going to deal with part of it because you can't cover a whole chapter. And uh, I really feel... Um, God's going to minister to our heart tonight. Let me pray for a minute. So, Lord, we love you. We're here before your presence. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We're so grateful that we have the Bible in print. We can hold it in our hands. We can read it when we want to. It's such a gift that others don't have, so we thank you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who you're here with us all the time to speak to us, to love us unconditionally, to guide us into all truth. I ask even now, Lord, as we are here before your presence, that you speak to all of our hearts through your word, but you just, you minister to our hearts, Lord. You minister to us. You know how to speak to everyone's heart in a unique way. And I pray that you do that, that you put your hands upon us and just speak to us. I ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation just to rest in the room, just to rest upon us. And we're so grateful for your presence, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I've said this before, that these chapters might be some of the most powerful chapters in the Bible, John 13 through 17. These are the, the last teachings of Jesus and you could spend the rest of your life on them, like just reading them. We went through John 15 and 16 last Sunday, and there's just so much there. We just touched on um, just a few pieces in each one. But I really believe that it's, it's, it's paramount for us, guys, as we're hearing the Word of God and we're learning, um, that we put it into motion. Are you with me? That like when we're, we're hearing the, um, the word and we're, we're learning things and even things you're being taught on Sunday, that we put it into motion. An example is last week we talked about abiding begins with a conversation. It's not the only thing, but abiding begins with a conversation. We, always talked, we also talked about abiding means to apply the principles, the promises, the word of God to our heart. We apply it later. He would say, if my words abide in you. So it's applying the promises to your heart. And we said, thirdly, it's about making Jesus um, the Lord of your life or following his leadership. Like not making yourself the final authority in the home. It's powerful, right? Because sometimes we actually do that and we say what we won't do. and We say what we will do and we actually have these blocks and barriers up, but we're not moving into a further place of abiding. Does that make sense? And we didn't even cover the last two last week. We only focused on the one, which means abiding is beginning a conversation with Jesus. And God wants us to have a convo with him throughout the day. So my heart in even beginning tonight is to share with you, like, you know, God wants us um, to really put our foot on the gas this year with applying the word. Just applying the word to our life. All of us have been guilty of this myself. When God has said something and we've delayed, Right? God's asked us to do something, and we really didn't put our foot down and actually apply. And a lot of times, God's actually sitting back waiting to pick something up and bring us to a new place. 
And he's just waiting on us to apply what he's already given us to apply. Yeah. And, all, and myself has done this. There, there's been times where the Lord's told me to do things, and I'm just like, I, I, I can't do that. And God don't tell you to do something that you can't do because every word of God that he gives you has the grace of God with it. That means the ability of God. It's just a matter of coming back to him when you feel like you can't do it and just asking, how does this look for me? Does that make sense? So really for us to go to the next level, and this is where I'm going with this as we start, the next place in this year, it has to begin with that applying what God is telling us, all right? We, we, we know this. Don't be just a hearer, right? Be, be a doer of the word of God. But to be honest, most people in the church, not this church, of course, not city of God, but most people in the church, they hear, but they don't do. Because if the church as a whole would do, this world would feel different. The world would feel different. This is the, this is the prayer in 17. It's actually the prayer that Jesus prayed. The world would feel, and what I mean by that is that the atmosphere from the light that comes from the church. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, but when Jesus left, he says, you're the light. Like just the church, if the church was operating more and doing, there would be more light. I'm not talking about like sunlight. I'm talking about glory. The light that God said in the beginning when he says, let light be, he wasn't talking about the sun. He was talking about the glory. He was talking about presence atmosphere things would change from the church would come because like when the church is raptured you know this right when the church is raptured the earth's going to begin to rot the church is called the light and the salt we preserve and thank god we're going to leave at some point but the church actually has this capacity if we do that like we flavor and there's something that comes from us that changes the very world around us so let's make that our primary. As city of God, in the domain that we live in, that means the domain right here where God has called us to make an impact, let's say this is what we're going to do. As for us in this house, we're going to make sure that we do what God says, and then this area, all around this area, will be impacted by this local body. Amen? So John 17, let's read a few verses and um, let's see how the Lord ministers to us. So verse one, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. You know, you could actually put your name there. The hour has come. 2024 has come. Glorify your son or glorify your daughter that your son or your daughter may glorify you. Jesus would later say in this text that he's glorified through you. Prophesy over your life with the word of God. Verse 2 says, As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he may give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Notice that he throws that word true in front of God. Isn't that interesting? God is always wanting to take us through places where we are pruned and shaken. That is the love of God. Listen to me, church. That is the love of God. If you have kids, you know that if you do not correct your kid and discipline your kid, you're going to have a bunch of crazy 
kids as they grow up. And Jesus puts this word true because there's always a pruning. It doesn't mean that I have idolatry in my life, but God will prune me and shake me so that I don't have another God in my life, including myself. This is eternal life that you may know, or the word that Jesus is saying here is that you may experience, that you may experience God. This is why I shared what I shared when I opened, because if we're not actually doing the word of God, we won't experience God. If there's not a stewardship over what's inside of my heart, then I hinder and I have good theology or head knowledge. I learn about God, but I don't experience a God that's right in front of me. Like if God opens up our eyes right now in this room, this room for one has Jesus in the room because he says when two or three are gathered, I'm in the midst. And the other thing is you would see angels. You would experience God. But the more we actually step out into what he says and we're doing it, what happens is it highlights my senses, my spiritual senses so that I'm actually experiencing God or I'm knowing him. He says this is eternal life. If you take God out of heaven, heaven is no longer a destination for us. This is a training ground for eternity. And there's going to be so many people that don't know God. They're saved. They're actually saved because they believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sin and that he rose from the dead. And they're saved, but they don't know God. They don't actually know him. They have all these different faces and masks from things they heard or whatever they're walking in, but they don't actually know him. To experience him. And I don't think that there's no one on this side of heaven that can experience God's fullness until we get glorified bodies, glorified minds. We are still limited inside of these frail bodies. Even though your spirit man or your spirit woman is actually made brand new, you still have a soul that is eternal, but it's a process and you have a frail body. But there is a way for you to actually know him and there is a grace and there is an invitation from God to actually begin a journey before we get to heaven to actually know him now, to experience him now. And the thing that I heard that was so powerful, even inside of worship, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And even though we understand this by the spirit of God, I believe it's a word for us for 2024. That God wants you to experience him in ways that you never have before. That this year would be a year beyond what your eye or your ear or anything that you have ever felt before in your life. Any way you've ever experienced him. He wants to redefine how you have experienced him and bring you into a new place of experiencing the living God. To experiencing Jesus. To where you know Jesus. Not about Jesus, but that you know him. You know what moves his heart. You know what moves his feelings. Today, this day, as I'm in the presence of the Lord, the Lord's speaking to me about dwelling in his presence. And I asked him the question, how does that look for you? What does it mean to dwell in your presence? And the Lord told me three things. He says, it is communication, Howard. It is talking to me, having a conversation with me. But he made this statement and it floored me. He says, it's how you love on me. He says, it's how you love on me with your thoughts and your words. 
Like there are tangible ways that moves the heart of God. That God so longs to be a friend and to move inside of a place of closeness with us. And sometimes we don't even know that. But I feel like even this year in knowing him, he's going to bring us into greater places. Greater places to experience him. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared. Even though that text is talking about people in the Old Testament that couldn't understand, but you can understand, I believe it is a word for us, an invitation. So my challenge for you is to ask God how that looks for you. I ask God that question today. In my personal life today, God led me. Go to Psalms 32, go to Psalms 126, go to Psalms 91. And in going there, the last one, Psalms 91, he who dwells in the secret place. I've read this, I've studied this, I've studied the Hebrew, all those things. I said, what does it look like for you? Do you hear what I'm saying, guys? And when God spoke to me about me loving him with my words and loving him with my thoughts, and I just began to do that out loud, I began to love on the Lord. And then you begin to experience God. So I feel like God wants you to ask him the question. I, I know that God always wants us asking questions. And God loves to actually go on a journey with you. With this communication narrative going backwards and forwards. God wants to redefine. Redefine how you have known him. This year. He's so much bigger than our doctrine. He's so much bigger than our journey so far. And he wants to make the road. Listen to me, church. He wants to make the road a whole lot wider. Okay? A whole lot wider. Amen? You guys good? I know the Lord wants to touch our heart <clears throat> in this service and minister to our heart. That's what the Lord spoke to me in prayer. And um, what I feel the Lord wants me to share is actually something I taught January 1st at TGP, the, the Gathering Place Church. I was asked to go up there and do a conference. And I'm not going to teach on the whole thing, but three things specifically um, and kind of give you like bam, bam, bam. And just kind of give you almost like if I was going to bring you to a table and say, hey, guys, here's three, here's three uh, courses right here and I want you to try them out. Does that make sense? But first, I want to hit this context with this, because Jesus says, this is eternal life that you may know him. Now, 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 listen to me, guys. Later, Jesus would say, I have manifested your word to all those you gave me in the world. Verse five, I've manifested your word. I've manifest, excuse me. I've manifested your name. When Jesus is saying, I manifested your name, what he's saying is the same thing that he said in verse three, that they may know you. Manifesting the name of God means that I demonstrated what God looks like. The name of God is the character of God. It is who God is. Jesus was saying, I know the Father and I manifested it to all those around me. I demonstrated who God is. They were able to see God in my life. Are you with me? 
He would even say this, if you've seen me, you've seen who? I mean, he would say that over and over again. Are y'all seeing the journey here? In this year, God wants to redefine how you know him, but God also wants you to manifest. He wants you to demonstrate who God is. This is such an anomaly in the church. People say they know God, but if you ask people questions about the Bible, if you ask people questions about experiencing God, people scratch their head. What is God like? Imagine talking to a stranger about receiving Jesus. What is God like? That's a great question, right? Hey, would you like to receive Jesus in your heart as your Lord and Savior? What's he like? Could we answer that question? Let me ask you another way. Could we actually say by experience, I've experienced the man. I know the man. And you talk as if he walks in the room and you hang out in the room. I know Nathan Bird. I've walked with him almost a decade now. I can tell you what he likes and what he don't like on his hamburger. I can tell you the main color clothes he wears. I know how he likes his coffee. Are you tracking with me? I'm talking about know the Lord in a way where you can have a conversation with someone and manifest the name, the character, who God is. And with conviction, I experience him. I experience this man. No, he's alive. I'm not just sharing something with you out of the Bible. This man died. He resurrected. I know he is. Are you seeing the difference there? Then later he would say in verse 8, watch this. He says, the words that you gave me, the words that you gave me, Father, I've given to them. Watch this now. And he says, and they received them. Now we read that passage and we overlook it because God's definition of receiving his word is completely different from ours. When we hear that, we think, oh, well, they listened to Jesus. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's talking about the condition of their heart. Listen to me. This is the biggest challenge in the church is the heart. So if you go look at the most important teaching of Jesus, it's called the parable of the sower. He said, if you don't understand this teaching, you will not understand all my other teachings. And it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And all three of them have a different picture of receiving, and it has a different picture of the heart. The soil is the heart, and the word of God is the seed. And Mark says... There's only one that bears fruit, one out of four, and it says when they hear the word, they receive it. But Luke says when they hear the word of God, it says with a noble and good heart, receive it and they keep it or they guard it. And then Matthew says when they hear the word of God, they receive it and they understand it and they bear fruit. Do you see the difference if you put them all three together because they're called the synoptic gospels? If you put them all together, when Jesus said, the words that you told me, Father, I gave it to him and they received it. He was saying, because I demonstrated who God looks like, it did something in their heart. It created a soil in their heart that made them receive the words, have a noble and good heart to guard the word, and it also opened up the seed for them to understand the word and bear fruit for eternal life. That's a huge difference than just speaking words. Do you see the difference? I said this last week. My gift 
the gifting on my life can move you to maybe go to a mission trip, maybe give some money, but I cannot move your heart. That is only the Lord. But this is the design of God. When God is seen, when God is experienced, the heart begins to change. It changes the condition of the soil. Those are bad metrics. One out of four bearing fruit, right? Those are, those are bad metrics. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Are you, are, you, are you hearing me? And it's true. Jesus died. He resurrected. He said, hey, go wait for me over here. I'm going to show myself. There was 500 people. It's in 1 Corinthians 15. There was 500 people Jesus appeared to, resurrected. How many showed up? 120. There's only 120. That's about right. You're you count it, right? That's about right. It's close. The Bible actually says this. It's not, a, it's not a parable. It's a story. It's in Luke 16. The rich man and Lazarus. And the reason why it's not a parable is because God uses, you know, names. And that's just not in a parable. And there's two men. One dies. And goes to hell. One dies and goes to Abraham's bosom just before Christ. And that was the place that God had them. Inside the story, the guy that goes to hell, he's crying out and he says, Will someone please go and tell my family? Jesus says to him, Though someone even from the dead was to go and tell them, they wouldn't believe unless they believe. He says Moses and the law or the word. Isn't that interesting? Like people can see. They can hear. God says it still comes down to this word right here. There's a preparation of the heart. There is a preparation of the heart even for the word of God. Is so that that which is eternal can bear fruit. And Jesus would say this in chapters 13 through 17, so that the fruit remains. The fruit remains. It's not talking about a Christian backsliding. It's not talking about that. It's talking about the journey and a journey to know him for eternal life. Does that make sense? You guys good? Does this seem heavy? So I feel like some of the ways that um, God would love for us to know him, even in this year, I talked about three meals, some of the ways for him to redefine, to experience him, even in this season. Would be through an encounter with him, an experience where he meets you. In your home, in your car, when you're reading the word, when you're praying. But three different distinctive meals. And like I said, I'm not going to, I could camp on these and we could teach on them for a while. But I taught on this on January the 1st and the Lord highlighted this to me 
today and wants me to just share this. So when I was teaching up in Alabama, one of the things I shared was that God wants to meet us and God wants to blow inside of our face. Want to sound weird? God wants to blow inside of your face. Well, it's, it's, it's actually, listen, guys, so I don't have to, let me try to make this kind of simple here so I'm not teaching the whole message. The Holy Spirit will manifest himself through fire, through rain, through wind. You see that in Scripture, right? John 3, as the wind blows, so is someone born again by the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out by wind, but you also see fire. These are just like pictures of what's happening in the Spirit, how God manifests himself. Does that make sense? We're kind of all familiar with that. Jesus has died. He's resurrected. But Jesus will step inside the room. You can't see him. But a lot of times what you begin to see is people get healed. Sasha hit on it big time as she opened up. You will experience the peace of God because peace is a person. And these are ways that he manifests himself. There's a lot more. God the Father, when he manifests himself, a lot of times what happens is that authority happens in the room. And what I mean by that is you just begin to sense um, like this knowing who you are, sons, daughters. Also, the Father will manifest himself as a cloud. These are some of the ways that you can see scripture-wise, okay? Not teaching on that. I'm just kind of like trying to fast forward here. But the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, I only see one way that they all three manifest themselves the same. That's through breath. Isn't that interesting? So in Genesis chapter 2, when God made man's body, it says he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Fast forward, 2 Timothy 3.16, it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Greek means the breath of God. God the Son, God the Word, the breath of God. The Holy Spirit in the original language, the Greek word pneuma means breath or blast. It is the only God encounter that I see where all three, how you can encounter, I'm going to use a different word, the fullness of God. The fullness of God through breath. It means intimacy. You're not letting everybody up in your bubble, right? Huh, German? Only Melissa can get that close, right? Or your daughter. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody can't get it. God uses something very specific because it's an invitation. God doesn't need air, guys, like us. God doesn't breathe air. God lives in eternity. The whole world, the universe is in his belly. He's bigger. Scripture says the heavens, even the heavens cannot contain God. He uses this because it's how you are sustained. It is how you live. He's saying, I am your life. I am the way that you actually live. But how you live, listen to me, how you experience eternal life, how you experience him deals with how much you draw close. Like the invitation to experience the breath of God is how much you want to draw close. James said it. James knew. He says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. We said this last week. Jesus said, abide in me first, then I will abide in you. It's a holy invitation to lean into him. God is not chasing us down, though he does chase us down. Like God will chase us down and say, I saved you. 
Now, my heart as my son or my daughter is come close. I remember my mentor told me this 24 years ago. He was like, you know, how much God you want in your life? It doesn't depend on God. It depends on you. That sounds weird, don't it? It is about pursuing. God will make adjustments. If we're getting off and we're not, he will obviously speak to us and encourage us. But the principle is, the heart of God is, man, how much do you want to come close? Like even another human, you don't just stay there, but you can learn to live there with him. No, you can. You can actually learn to live like this in him, to live this way with him. I could just stop there, give you the mic, you pray, and ask God how that looks. There are three pieces there that I just shared, but are are y'all with me? I think that was the biggest life lesson that he gave me. And what happened is that he demonstrated that to me. All I saw him do was seeking the Lord. That's all I saw. He demonstrated it to me. And it showed me a pattern. But like, how close do you want to be? How close do you want to be? This is eternal life that you may know him. So that we can manifest his name. So that the people around us will hear and receive, and there will be fruit that remains throughout eternity. I would love to go to verses 20 through 23, but I'm not. That is the biggest heart prayer of Jesus, verses 20 through 23 in this chapter. But it's very interesting. He uses, watch this, guys. He uses the same word. He says that people would believe through you. Are are y'all with me on this journey? Are you tracking with me? If you, if you experience him, he would be manifested through you. People around you will hear and receive. Jesus would later pray, I'm praying for the people that will believe through your word. But then he says that they may believe, but then he says that they may know. He didn't say that just so they would believe, just so they would get saved. No, that they would know. And he uses the same language. He actually says the world, that the world will experience me. Every one of us, listen to me, we got fragile minds. We got fragile understandings. We, we've been in the word. We might think we know something. We don't. I, I promise you, we don't. You ever heard the phrase, I only got my toe in the presence of the Lord, my toe in the water? I mean, we ain't got a toenail in the water. No, like, I'm serious. The more you go in him, the more you know, I, I, don't, I don't know anything. No, I don't. And what I'm saying that to say this, guys, watch this, that we don't have no clue how God could invade a city. And if you study, it's never been the mass. It's never been the mass. <clears throat> it's never been the mass where God took a massive amount of people and he shook the world Throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelations, he's only found 
Certain ones that would draw so close that he could shake the world. But just imagine. I mean, even inside of that context in John 17, there was only 12 dudes. We're here because of them 12 dudes. He prayed that we would believe and that we would know. And they were willing to die. They all died. Someone was like drawn in half by horses and crucified upside down and killed. Like you really know to go through that. Like you know. Heads cut off. Them guys. They didn't love their lives at all. And I'm not saying God's asking you to die, but I'm just saying like there, there was a difference in their life. And we don't know what God could do inside of a space. Here, just us coming together. Man, listen, I'm, I'm your pastor. I don't want to do church. I mean, I want to come and worship and experience the Lord, but I don't want to just do that every week. I want, I want Him. I want Him in a way to where in the room, no one even understands what's going on. I, I don't want us to say, oh, that's just God moving. Shah, bah, bah, bah. I, I don't even want that. I want God to move in a way like none of us know what's happening. And we're, we're really scared to move. No, for real. Like God creates, you know, He just he does something different. And then that getting outside of these walls, getting in your family. I got family members, man. I'm telling you, if God don't save, they're hit. I cry out to God. I walk before them. But just like what Pastor Nate says, there's just things that, man, listen, if God don't intervene, they're hit. But it begins with this, that I may know him. And wh where am I willing to go? Like, what, what, what do I got to have this year that's more precious than him? And I'm preaching to me. What do I got to have that's more precious than him? Can somebody give me a clock, please? Okay, thanks. All right, it's up there. I just can't see on glasses on. You guys good? So I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to give you the three, the three places so I can honor what I said. When God the Father breathed into Adam the breath of life, God was dealing with you as a son or a daughter. I think in this season, in this year, the Lord would love to breathe on you as a son or a daughter in ways that you have never understood before. Listen, eye has not seen nor ear heard how you can experience him as a son or a daughter. I'm telling you, listen, during this fast, I have had I've never usually encountered God on a fast. I'm just on a hunger strike. I lost 16 pounds the first two weeks. You know, you get a blue on me and it wasn't even the Holy Spirit and I'd have fell over. But I have. God has wrecked me, undone me. I've cried, I've repented, which is a good thing. Repentance is not I come to Jesus. Repentance is I'm always coming to Jesus. I'm always redefining my, my thought process based on how he thinks. That's, that's repentance. But I'm saying this because God wants to so breathe on us as sons and daughters. I'm going to try to share one of the experiences real quick. So the other day I'm in the word. I was sharing this with my wife. 
and I don't really have words to be honest. The picture was clear, but the experience, which has marked me for now and the rest of my life. So most of you know my story. I spent 12 years and seven months in federal prison. And I was believing God for deliverance and freedom and all those things. And I really knew that it was the will of God. But God used me in there and God raised up a lot of men. They have ministries now, pastors, etc. And in this encounter that I had with the Lord, I'm studying the word of God. And he's leading me in these different places. And then all of a sudden, I'm just, I don't, I don't know how, my eyes were closed, but I'm reading the word. My eyes is closed and I see the Lord. And I see the Lord on the cross and his head's down. And I can see the crown of thorns. And I can see the blood on his face. But I also see that the world around him is dark. And the cross, instead of it being something like, um, like in a place where it was like where it was in scripture on Golgotha, it was like on the top of a circle. And I just recognized it was the world. I share what I shared a minute ago because God was having to breathe on me as a son because I felt, I don't even know if I can actually say this to the Lord, but I felt like God let me down when I was in prison and left me in there. And I don't even know if I ever said that to him. I'm only giving you part of it because I don't have time. How God marked me was he took me to the passage when Jesus was on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he said, there's no way I would ever forsake you or let you down. I did this so that you would never be forsaken. That's just a piece of the encounter. Are you checking? Are you with me? He was breathing on me as a son. So there's no wound. There's no issue with intimacy. I mean, splitting past barriers. I don't feel like I was left in there because I was working for him and God had great fruit. I mean, there's men right now that's like changing the world in different places. I'm excited to be part of their life. But I didn't even know. And it was, watch this, it was hindering my faith for breakthrough because I was having challenges and I didn't realize it. With overcoming because I had this maybe crack in my foundation as a son that maybe God will let you down again. There's not a person in this room that hadn't prayed and something ain't happened. Well, we ain't praying enough. <laughs> Little trick to prayer. Always have about 10 things you're praying for. Don't always put all your eggs in one basket. God, if you would just do this, I believe for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's called a prayer portfolio. That way you, can, you don't say, okay, he moved here. He moved here. You ain't moving over here. He's like, yeah, I ain't going to move right there either for three more years. I ain't going to tell you that right now, but I'm moving over here. That's just a little catch I learned in the process. Are you tracking with me, guys? God wants to breathe on us. God wants to encounter you. There was so much more there. I understood that God broke through the world in that moment. He broke through the whole world and cracked the worst overcoming issue, and that was sin, our separation from him. I just knew it. And I was trembling in his presence. But God wants to breathe. He wants to breathe on us as sons and daughters, but specifically he wants to breathe on our areas where we have lost and we don't even realize it, a childlike faith. And a childlike faith is simply how we can believe Papa when it don't make a lick of common sense. 
Because if you read the Bible, most of it don't make a lick of common sense when it comes to what God tells you. He told Moses, hey, go beat a serpent and put it on a cross and hang it up. And everybody that's been bit by a snake is going to be healed. I mean, obviously it was pointing to the cross, but they didn't know anything about Jesus and the cross. And everybody's healed because he goes, do that. Go to the Red Sea and just stretch your staff over and then the water's going to split in half. Like, the stuff that God did didn't make any sense all through the Bible. And all of a sudden now, we want God to make sense or we don't follow God. No, we no, we won't. Seriously, guys. We live in a world where there's so much information that I got to have everything figured out. YouTube University, I'm going to figure it out. And, like, if we don't have God breathing on this area, seriously, if we don't have God breathing on this area of sonship and daughtership where there is a childlike faith, this attraction of just, just step out when it don't make any sense, then we will actually be waiting and going around in patterns. Talk to God about that. Amen? The second one is the word. The breath of God comes from the word. Let me get you guys to stand. 